It's time for another episode of the Probably Bad Podcast, brought to you by our lovely patrons, including Scribbles and Carlo. Hello, welcome to Probably Bad Podcast, a podcast which is definitely bad. I'm Pencil. I'm Paper. Today's Probably Bad RPG idea is... Set in a sci-fi game in the far-off future of 2005. So, I I did pick this one out specifically because so much like utopian fu- future stuff is now set in the past and all the stuff that's still in the future is dystopian. And I'm just really curious about the possibilities of a utopian setting for RPGs. Whether so there I are any. Like, so the only, so like, the only utopian setting I can think of is fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Blue Rose and you are a magical, magical kingdom. Um, which is just a wonderful utopia. Like, all of the utopian things I could think of a fantasy of you are a wonderful, magical fantasy kingdom. There's not a lot of sci-fi. There's probably something... I mean, the fact that all the utopias are kingdoms, I think, is very interesting. (laughs) Yeah. A utopian dictatorship. This is in no way politically relevant to the UK. Um... Mm. Well, no, we've never been a utopia. No. <laughs> Happy Platinum Jubilee, I guess. But yeah, I think... Because the way you'd make a utopian setting work... I guess, to be honest, you could just do um, pure escapism. Everyone role-plays living a life that isn't about to implode. Yeah, like a slice-of-life RPG. It's not really a genre that's come up very much. No, like, it must exist. We're going to have to investigate this and report back, hmm. aren't we? Everyone role plays as their GM. I love the implication that GMs live this like charmed life. Yeah, as soon as you play your first um, RPG, the GM fairies come along and give you free wishes. Well, they haven't come along yet, and I've been GMing for years. Frankly, I'm sick of everything. <laughs> there is there is a long queue, but your your call is important, and it will be answered as soon as possible. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess the main, like the obvious plot thing, would be something is threatening the utopia, hmm. which I guess is a fairly standard plot in any genre. It's just like things are good. But what if they weren't? That's going to be the only GM pitch I give to people from now on. (laughs) It's my new campaign. It's called Things Are Good, But What If They Were Bad? (laughs) Everything's Great For Now is the sequel campaign. Mm. Ultimately, everything is bad, but what if they were good? I mean, I feel like that's... Also, a thing that could be a pitch for just any yeah any campaign. It's just like 
I think we should improve society somewhat. Everything is bad, but what if it stays bad forever? I am very mature. I think we've reviewed some systems like that. <laughs> we have created the free genres of RPG. But yes, utopian sci-fi RPG. Mm. Like, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to have something threaten the utopia, because otherwise... Roll to... Roll to replicate cake directly into your mouth. Mm. Oh, what if it's like, it's not actually a utopia? Because when you think about the relatively utopian stuff, mm. it's all like, it all suspiciously fits the existing power structures, but everyone's fine with it. Or there's like robot slaves yeah. and stuff. And it's like, what if the plot of this, of this, Things set in the far-flung future of 2005 is turns out the robots are sentient and they're pretty annoyed at you and then you can like help the robot uprising i especially like this if it's set in 2005 so it's like ipods <laughs> hate you your home computer has somehow achieved sentience and thinks you're a twat that's the other sales pitch for my game. You just bought this cool new console, the Xbox, and now mm. it wants to kill you. Yeah, it's in 2005 and it's the Xbox Uprising. <laughs> they all work together to hold a knife. I feel like if you got two of them, they could like clamp a knife between them and just kind of shuffle along. Yeah. What was happening in 2005? It's only like 15 years ago, but I have forgotten every major world event. I mean, I think the main thing that was happening in 2005, as far as I was concerned, was primary school was really boring. Yeah. They made me do PE and I didn't like it. That's the, that's the dark secret of our utopian society. Everyone has to do PE. Yes, like there's no poverty, no starvation, no like corruption, but there is mandatory PE for every citizen once a week. I mean, I feel like this is going to appeal to our audience. Yeah, <laughs> just just school in two thousand five, but it's become the dominant government structure. So That's now I'm trying to remember when they repealed Section 28. Because I know it was while I was in school, but I don't know exactly when it was. Because that's pretty damn dystopian. Yeah, I mean, I feel like my global high school, uh, it was repealed in 2003. Okay. So in the far-flung future of 2005, that's not an issue. You do get to be gay. I mean, I mean, you, you don't, do because do it's still the noughties, but you get to mention it. You now get to acknowledge gay people. <laughs> but yeah. And then we make the, the gay people do PE. If the, if the Xboxes take over, they can, they like, force everyone to do uh, PE, 
because they they want other people to be doing games as well because at the moment they're doing all the games oh i like that like no no more running around on on the halo you you can tell i don't really know anything about halo <laughs> but you know you run and jump and now you have to do it in real life instead because the xboxes are sick of your lazy ass yeah, uh, the premise of Halo is just there's a big thing called the Halo and everyone runs around on it. Uh, it's it's just a sports simulator. Oh, okay. So the those cool sci-fi guns, they're like the starting pistol? Yeah, what it is, is you've got the aliens and the humans and they shoot into the air and then you have to beat the aliens on a race. Okay. I, I hope this gets us our first proper hate mail. <laughs> You say that like we ha haven't already had someone threatening to report us to the police for saying that it would be cool. Not even explicitly, just like in a very roundabout way saying, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we decapitated Jeff Bezos with a guillotine? I hope someone tries to report me for the, to the police for misrepresenting the hit game Halo. <laughs> this, this is not going very far into... Huh? People will call the police because they didn't go get what they asked for from their takeaway. That's not it's not a stretch. So back to utopian fiction. Mm. So yeah, there's the utopia is actually not good. There's someone who's trying to threaten the utopia. See, this is the problem, is that stories need conflict, and the only conflict you can have in your in a utopia is very low level. It's like you know, it's fine. I I enjoy some things with a very low level stake sometimes. Not so much for an RPG. In the far flung future of 2005, you must get ice cream. <laughs> but the shop is closed. Roll That's to why find you get in your shop. flying car. <laughs> you get in like, your flying car and drive to the Froyo stand. It's not as good. <laughs> You are no longer living in a utopia. I weirdly like the idea of, like, you know, a utopia is perfect. So if anything goes even slightly wrong, it's not a utopia. And you're just trying to make sure this completely average day goes absolutely perfectly. Like, if someone gets their second, most second, like, favorite ice cream flavor, then it's no longer a utopia and society must be dismantled. Okay. Like, I'll, you make I'll the most stakes. Okay. You play a group of angels trying to keep heaven heavenly. I like this. You make the low stakes incredibly high stakes. Exactly. Like if, if any... one human has a bad day, you get sent to hell. <laughs> this just... is how angels fall. I just imagine it's like you go to heaven and like, yeah, everything's perfect in heaven. Uh, if you're ever discontent, you will be sent to hell to suffer for eternity. Welcome to heaven. <laughs> that's, Everyone, that's worse. I love it. Every, everyone's happy in heaven because we've systematically weeded out anyone who isn't. <laughs> I mean, gestures broadly at modern Christianity. <laughs> Do like you have a utopia that is a utopia entirely due to like legislation? 
like we've officially decreed that there are no problems in society. It's in the constitution. It's a video game. I can't remember what it's called. We Happy Few. Hmm. But it's they have they take the happy drug and then see everything as this great utopia, and then you stop taking it and turns out it sucks. Hmm. Like the game, but I'm. Sh- I haven't played it. Is it bad? Uh, it's it's one of those ones which has a great premise but doesn't quite live up to it. But given this is not a video game review podcast, um, I'm sorry. It's okay. I just want to. Just... <laughs> anyway, back to the podcast. Yes. Nick, edit edit out us forgetting what podcasts are. No, don't leave it in. We are fallible. This is not a utopia. <laughs> I, I just want to. I want a society that, like, yeah, it just it just passes a law declaring itself a utopia, and you're like the enforcement agents of that law. So anytime anyone expresses a problem, you send them to jail. Except you have to do it secretly because the existence of a jail implies everything isn't perfect. Yeah, there's a jail, but officially it's empty. Yeah, this is a full-on, like, dystopian sci-fi now. Yeah. I'm what kind we... of into it, though. What we... Fake yeah. utopia is so much more interesting. Like, I like fake utopia, but, like, a very blatantly fake utopia. I do like the heaven where if you express discontent, you go straight to hell. So when I said you go straight to hell, I meant the angels that failed to make everyone have a perfect day. And they go to hell, too. <laughs> Everyone just goes to hell eventually. But on the bright side, if you ever experience any happiness in hell, you get straight to he- get st- sent straight to heaven. So it's just like a trampoline. See, I was thinking eventually everyone gets sent to hell, which means that you end up having everyone in hell. And at that point, it's just like Earth but hotter because all the people are there. Hmm. And on fire. You know, you can you can deal with that. With some angels there now, they can deal with that part. They can use their wings to put it out. <laughs> None of this is 2005 related. I need to remind you all this is all being run by Xboxes. That's, that's how we bring it back. Who... <laughs> Who invented the Xbox? They're God now. Uh, Timmy Xbox, I believe. <laughs> okay. Timmy Xbox is is the God of this world. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're invented by Microsoft, so, you know, back under the control of big corporations. Oh, yeah, but I want, I want the specific inventor of the Xbox to be in charge. They were sick of working at Microsoft. And so orchestrated a robot uprising. Sadly, I looked it up. Um, we're doing a lot of research for this episode. <laughs> uh, it was made by an Xbox team rather than an individual. Like, designed by an Xbox team rather than an individual. So it's a pantheon. Hmm. Pantheon of game designers. Um, on that particularly dystopic note, maybe we should move on to questions.
Okay, our first question is anonymous. I found this game that's based on bad 80s movies and was wondering what B-movie would make a good RPG. Oh, buddy. <laughs> You've activated my trap card. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, like, read something for the next 10 minutes while pencils, while paper discusses all of their B-movies. Okay, um... The best option is Plan 9 from Outer Space, which is widely considered one of the worst films ever made. But I think it has a real, like, scrambling to put a plot together, first-time DM kind of feel to it. Uh, so the basic premise is dead bodies are going missing, and you're like... Oh no, is it is it undead? Is it that kind of nonsense? No. Aliens who want to colonize Earth and are indeed onto their ninth plan to do so are body snatching corpses to infiltrate society. So that'd be a good one. Hmm. I think it's especially important to note that the corpses are in no way succeeding at infiltrating society. They're incredibly obviously corpses. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, the only other one I can think of that is like a game I think I would genuinely enjoy being in is Fiend Without a Face. Which is a lot less well known, but it's one of my favourites. Mm. You should have Bella Lugosi in your in your RPG. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, like you know, he is dead, but he was dead when they were doing Plan Nine from Outer Space, so you know, you're fitting the brand. <laughs> I'll lean into the Plan Nine thing by occasionally, when you see the BBEG from the back, they're just like a foot shorter. Hmm. But yeah, Fiend Without a Face is. A scientist tries to invent telepathy and instead invents, well, sort of creates these creatures that are basically just a brain and spinal cord, but they're also invisible and they just sort of crawl around and kill people. Which is not a full on RPG, is at least an interesting thing to fight. Yeah, the only B-movies I know are the various kind of modern-day Sharknado-esque ones where we pick a random animal, make it giant, and have it fight people. And to be fair, a lot of the classic B-movies are like that as well. Like Tarantula, which is one of Clint Eastwood's first fucking roles. And it's about a giant radioactive tarantula. What I need to do is literally just... um, If you're... Like, if your players have a pet, make it giant and have them fight it. Not that kind of animal, their pet, specifically. My question is, can you apply B-movie logic to, like, existing campaigns? Like, if if your familiar takes too much radiant damage, does it become giant and bloodthirsty? I mean, if all of your players, like, overact wildly... Which they usually do. Yeah. I was going to say, all animal companions have a 1 in 20 chance per level up of just becoming a giant monster and destroying the nearest city. I That's where it. the Tarrasque came from. 
Is this someone's pet woodlouse that got out of control? So uh, this isn't related, but I love familiar woodlouse. <laughs> well, like a swampkeeper druid. Mm. Druid ranger, swampkeeper ranger. I know D and D. Woodlouse spellbook. Would be so small. <laughs> Just written on it in little ink. Oh, I was picturing like somehow engraving it into the exoskeleton. I was going to say woodlouse leather, but they don't have skin, so it would have to be on the exoskeleton. They don't have skin is the line that said ominously in the B-movie trailer. Oh, definitely. Also, this is the way to eliminate the horny bard trope. If your bard has premarital sex, they're the first to die when the familiar gets big. Like, I know it's not technically the same genre, but I just love the idea of eliminating a horny bar trip by just having, like, a slasher movie villain behind them at all times. Yes! <laughs> Any, anyone who bangs gets Jason Voorhees right in the face. Not in the face! I use that for seducing! <laughs> I just, I love D&D slasher movie. Um... And everyone's like, you know, level level 10, super magical, awesome people. And the slasher is still just a dude with a knife. Yeah, I think, I think this might need to be a, either a future idea or like a future um, patron game. Slasher movie, but the slasher is the Tarasque. He's got a knife now. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna run D D slasher movie in the Patreon server. No one can stop me. I guess patrons can by not signing up to it, but you know. Yeah. But like back to actual B movies, I'm just trying I'm trying to think of other like tropes in the proper old ones. But most of them are ones that also show up in bad fantasy. It's like there is one woman, she's very competent and also ends up half naked and possibly dying. I think you get around that by having everybody be half naked and possibly die. That said, there is one which is about an island of giant killer crabs where the day is saved by the, um, the lady scientist. So that that one can stay. Like you just make your GM turn giant and be the big bad. I like that. Like interdimensional enormous GM. Yeah. And you do the actual fight by having like miniatures and having and like jabbing the GM with them. Just take your tiny plastic sword and poke them in the arm. Yeah. If your GM goes, ow, stop it, you win. I love it. On the other hand, if your GM breaks your minis, then you win. No, then they win. What is, what is the GM's super secret weakness that the scientist figures out at the last possible moment? 
my mind instinctively went eyes, which is probably not a good answer. Um, please send in your GM's top secret weaknesses. We will only use this information for good. I luckily have no weaknesses. I normally don't, but I've got a really bad sunburn right now. I guess I'm so weak to radio I'm... damage. I regret, like, I am weak to all damage, which technically means that I don't have any weaknesses. I mean, I guess, like, is a worm weak to bludgeoning damage, or is a worm just shit? Answers on a postcard. If your GM is immersed with a worm genetically, so now they're worm GM. Is that a B-movie villain? Yes. Like, the fly exists. <laughs> so, at, at the risk of me just talking about B-movies for the next hour, our second question, which is also anonymous, is how would you run an all-cleric party? Clerics are different contradictory gods and they're all trying to convert each other. Okay, so you're going straight for the party conflict angle. Yeah. Except it's not too much for party conflict because, you know, if they kill the other players, then they'll just go to their god's afterlife. Um, which just benefits their gods, so they need to convert them. I think that's still a big conflict. It's just not as quick. Yeah. It's a drawn out conflict. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone works for the same god, but they have very, um, very subtle differences in, um, very subtle differences in how they interpret that dogma and they're going to fist fight over it. For 500 years throughout Europe. I do like the idea of kind of combining the two, where they all worship what turn out to be different aspects of the same deity. I kind of like the opposite, where they all think they're worshipping slightly different aspects of the same deity. And it turns out they're four different deities. Like, did you not realize by the fact that I used it's while the other one used it is? Clearly, they're unrelated faiths. <laughs> My symbol is a hedgehog. His symbol is a porcupine. Third dog in the third god in the corner with just an echidna like. monotheistic setting where the twist is the actuality there's just thousands of very very slightly different gods <laughs> i'm picturing them all being incredibly specific as well yeah like they're incredibly specific but also only very slightly different like you said you have the god of hedgehogs and the god of porcupines and a god of unspecified spiky mammals. But as soon as you work out what mammal it is, mm. that god stops being relevant. 
It's like how it's not a UFO once you realize what it is. Yeah. I love the idea of a god of UFOs who's trying to just cover the sky in, like, fog, so no one can identify any flying objects. Oh, that would be a good high-level boss. I like the idea of making a high-level boss just as ridiculous as possible, because you might as well at that point. Yeah, there's definitely something about someone with massive, incredible power who is using it for incredibly um, petty reasons. Like, the demon, like, yeah, the archdemons have come to Earth with the pure intention of stealing everyone's shoes. But anyway, clerics. Clerics. Um, I guess what kind of, like, what kind of mission would you send them on? Because I feel like hmm. just sending them against the undead is at the same time kind of obvious, and also they would absolutely destroy it if it's a whole yeah, party I think clerics. Like... So genuinely, if I was doing a whole cleric party, I would focus it on more like, you know, explicitly religious, like, you know, oh, we need to go find this ancient relic or we need you to go and, um, you know, find verify whether or not this is a real miracle or stuff. Like, you know, if you're all clerics, then presumably your players want to focus on religious stuff. That's what that they want to sense. focus on. On healing people, I guess. So just do it all. You find someone whose face has come off. I like you kind of send them on like a St. Helen kind of quest hmm. of go go find proof that this scripture is true. Yeah. There's definitely some... Like, you know, with the joke, um, they all have very slightly different interpretations. That could actually be interesting if it's like, yeah, there's big. there's been some, like, say an old scripture which predates the current ones we have, which indicates that the current scriptures might have been mistranslated or something like that. And it's a quest to find the truth behind all of that. Oh, academic research D&D. Yeah, like, you know. <laughs> I'm sure someone's going to be interested. And, you know, you can have all of the old scriptures be in trap-filled dungeons if you want to. Oh, naturally. Hmm. Because that's just how they stored things back in um, ancient times. Oh yeah, the papal archives are full of like spike traps and things for I mean, sure. I've never, I've never been to the papal archives. So I'm going to assume that's the case. I mean, which one of us has a degree in museums and stuff? True. <laughs> I just love the idea of you in the papal archives, and the Pope is there, and he just takes on his final form and fights you. Oh yeah, the Pope is the final boss in the papal archives. Yeah. You can only see the Dead Sea Scrolls if you defeat him in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Luckily, the Pope... the Pope tends to be a very old man. <laughs> That's what you think, the Pope goes Super Saiyan. <laughs> That's, the... That's the third selling point for a campaign I've come up with today. The question is, when his hair gets all big, does his hat... Like, stay on one of the spikes, or does it get big and spiky itself? Uh, so, the thing is, uh, he takes the hat off, and his hair is shaped like that underneath it. <laughs> um, that's why he wears that shaped hat, to hide the Super Saiyan hair. This slots it very precisely on top <laughs> with a little swoop sound. 
Yeah, and when he goes Super Saiyan, it just flies off. With a bigger swoop sound. Yeah. So, yeah, what you want for your clerics is for them to fight the Pope, but Super Saiyan Pope. Like, because in D&D worlds, like, the Pope is, the Pope equivalent is presumably, like, a high-level cleric. Yeah, there isn't really much indication of centralised religion in canon mm. D&D settings, I guess, because when the gods can just physically manifest... Whenever they want. Yeah, as you know, I guess yeah, the Pope Quillivan <laughs> is God, who is just shows up every so often to ask what the hell people are doing. Well, yeah, like if you want to know something, you don't need a leader figure when you can just sit down and ask. Like I think D D religion is a topic that's not explored like as much as um, it can be, but I think that might be because no one wants to do um, academic research RPG. Yeah. But they should. It would be interesting at some point to just do an episode where we just sit down and discuss the indie religion. <laughs> what is interesting, we discuss religion for 40 minutes because we I feel like we do need to get more hate mail. <laughs> just yeah, how much would Christianity have changed if hmm. We um, need to get like apocryphals to guest on the podcast. <laughs> Alas, we are very small. Tell your friends about the Probably Bad podcast so that. Especially if they're the Pope. <laughs> so that we can get apocryphals to come and talk about D&D religion with us. Well, my ultimate goal is to get the Pope as an um as a guest on here. Yeah, so maybe on on that note if if you want to support us in ways other than I guess adding the Pope on Twitter <laughs> Um, which we do not condone, but would be entertained to see. We um, don't condone, but condone, but don't oppose. You can find us on Patreon as probably bad RPG ideas, and get access to D and D homebrew bonus episodes, a Discord server where we sometimes play games, and short RPGs. If you have a question, you can email probablybadpodcast.gmail.com or message probablybadrpgideas on Tumblr or is it bad probably on Twitter? Yes. I don't think we've ever had a question through the Twitter, so you could be the first. Um, but yeah, <laughs> remember, remember to have, have a probably, probably bad, bad day. day.